It's Sunday, July 25th, and you are listening to Peanuts and Popcorn. PNP is a spontaneous podcast between two old friends on baseball and motion pictures. I'm Tom Hockney. And I'm Leo Fontana. This week on Peanuts and Popcorn, the Cleveland Indians are now the guardians of second place in the American League Central. Ken Rosenthal of The Athletic maps out some possible trade scenarios. We'll predict which ones are the most likely. A shooting takes place outside of Nationals Park, forcing fans and players to take cover. Tajwan Walker makes one of the worst on-field blunders in over 30 years. Broadcaster Tom Brennerman attempts to resurrect his career starting at the prep level. Manison, Pennsylvania honors the great Josh Gibson, and we learn more lurid details from the Zobrist divorce. And in our popcorn segment, the movie we've selected is Metropolitan by the director Whit Stillman. Tom, how are you doing? Well, I, I'm recovering a little bit today, uh, Leo, because yesterday, as you know, um, I w- went with some my wife and a friend of ours from St. Louis, actually, oh. to Wrigley Field to see the Cubs. And uh, Your first game this year. Yeah, first game this year. And I got to tell you, as we approached um, Ricketsville, I mean Wrigleyville, um, I um, it started to dawn on me that this was the first time that I was going to be mingling with a massive crowd of people. And uh, did you ever see the movie, The Fugitive? I did. At, at one point, I, I literally had to kind of get away from the crowd. And my wife had to kind of talk me down from the tower because I was, I had a little moment of panic. I'm like, I'm, I'm not used to being, even though I'm fully vaccinated, even though I'm presuming these people are vaccinated, we'll find out in a couple yeah, of days. We'll <laughs> yeah, right. But, but I, I had like a moment of panic and I, I was, we were able to resolve it. We had a, uh, we had a beer over at the Gingerman and then went into the park and it's, you know, it was still massively crowded, but it was so flippant hot, Leo. Great, most beautiful day. And it was great to see it. Maybe one of uh, Chris Bryant's last at bats at Wrigley. So I was kind of anxious to watch him play, but it was so hot. We started, I, I felt like I was starting to decompose at one point. Um, wow. Yeah. It, and you're I, in the shade. You're in the shade. Over well, there. it starts in the sun and then it moves to the shade like about two or three innings. And then it comes a little bit back into the sun again. Um, the, the, we finally left in the fifth inning. It, and, and they decided, the women decided, because I, I, you know, I, wasn't, I wasn't bailing. Um, and so I thought it was interesting. You, you might've you know, had a chance to go. Would you have, have you been in those environments where it's so hot that you had to leave the game? I've never, I mean, like I used to go to ball games in St. Louis and it was hot as hell at, at car, you know, right. Stadium in those days. That's true. That is true. And, you know, but again, we were college kids and, you know, we well hydrated. Baseball. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and we, we loved baseball and, you know, this is yeah, when right. we would sit at the top, the very, very top of the upper deck seeking some sort of a breeze. But um, you know, I, I would, again, now that I'm older, I would sort of go with what the group wanted to do. You know what I mean? Yeah, right, right, exactly. But I would not have voluntarily chosen to leave. Yeah, you know? we got, like I said, it was, it was, we all had a little bit of heat stroke, but it was great to, to get out there. But but the, there was a lot of things going on in my mind. It wasn't the most enjoyable baseball experience. Yeah, I mean, it must have been, I mean, you want to relax. When exactly, you're exactly. And, and you can't do that. Yeah. Now, now, have you been watching the Olympics? Oh, yeah, oh, yeah. And what, well, what I, should say, I should say I, I'm a niche Olympics uh, person. There's certain events I'm very much interested in. So, for example, the one that I'm the most interested in is women's soccer. And the reason is because the United States has historically been right. so been so good. And then this year, there's added drama that they lose their opening game pretty badly, by the way, to a team they should never have lost to. Um, and then yesterday morning, I was I was up at dawn watching them uh, uh, take on the uh, I can't remember uh, New Zealand. New Zealand. Uh, New Zealand. They crushed New Zealand six to one. Yeah, yeah. It could have been eight to one, by the way. Yeah. They had a few offside goals. Um, <laughs> so, so I'm, well, I'm really did... interested in that. But uh, um, you know, there, there's other events that I like. But I would have to say, I, I guess soccer and boxing. I don't know. I mean, does, does that even still exist as an Olympic sport? Yeah, I know. Well, it has to because Cuba still has an Olympic team. So that's right, right, but, right. They have to for that reason. Well, I, it, it's hard because, um, you know, with Julie laid up, 
Yeah. That's kind of the one thing that we can watch together. Yeah. She 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 tends to prefer episodes of Law and Order, which I just I can't watch. Oh, I thought you were going to tell me that she she loves all Olympic sports again except for the pickleball. No. <laughs> the freestyle pickleball. Well, I mean, just sitting on the couch with Julie. I mean, there if you have cable, there are three Olympic channels. There's NBC. There's NBC Sportsnet, and then there's another just Olympic channel. So you can really shuttle around and see what you want. And over the last 48 hours, we've watched cycling. We've watched badminton. We've watched skateboarding. We've watched skateboarding was hilarious because these kids from, they're all from Los Angeles, but they're one guys on on the the Japanese team and other guys on the Brazilian team, but they all know each other. They're all from LA. They all have tattoos. They're all wearing earbuds. You know what I mean? It's just the least Olympic sort of athlete that you've ever seen. Right. And these are not the best skateboarders because those ones could not pass the drug tests. Yeah. So anywho, uh. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but, but there was an article in Deadspin that uh, with regard to, you know, baseball makes its return. Correct. The- correct. And after it had been, you know, out for two, for two Olympics, they sat out two Olympics. They did. And they kind of did that. I think to stick it to the United States. I don't know why, but now they've brought baseball back, but no major league players from really any country are there. You know, this is a lot of kind of of still sticking it to the United States. Yeah. yeah. Well, I don't know if it's (laughs) no, I don't be facetious. I don't know if it's the IOC's desire to stick it to the U.S. or the fact is, is that. Well, it's a result of it. I don't think it was. This, this was not planned. You know, the best players aren't playing. It's not like the dream team in basketball where for, for many years, you know, the best players on the planet were from the United States. Uh, that's not so true, by the way, anymore. It's, it's not a complete just U.S. thing in basketball. So, um, you know, I, wa- I watched the Summer Olympics, but I have to say I'm more interested in the Winter Olympics to be honest, only because the it, it, it takes up such a, a time waster in the winters, yeah. the doldrum of the win, of not winters, the winter um, is, is largely fixed by the winter Olympics. And, and the hockey is exciting in the winter Olympics. It is. It is. So, all right. Well, yes. you know, but I'll be watching other stuff. I mean, the gymnastics, the women's gymnastics is the, the big thing for us. We tried to stay up and watch Simone Biles last night. But it was on at one in the morning, and right. you know, we'll, we'll we'll watch the the tape delay later today. So uh, let's get to the peanuts and uh, nice and hot and salty, right out of the roast. <laughs> Just like and, myself. You know, we knew that they were doing their due diligence, and we talked for months. You know, the spiders, the you know different names that people would throw out. Um, we talked about it a lot, and we knew it was coming. And obviously. You know, Cleveland's baseball team definitely researched and put thousands and thousands of hours in here. And if you know anything about the Cleveland landscape, the Guardians are very famous kind of monument, you know, to a bridge that we have that overlooks progressive field. Um, So I think they made the right decision. It's just going to take a while for this to grow on the fans. And so the, the, the first thing I want to talk about is the fact that the Cleveland Indians have finally change their name. They'll no longer be known as the Indians, which is a completely, uh, I guess, un-PC or an offensive. Let's just, let's call it what it is. It's an offensive team yeah. mascot name. And they've changed it to the Guardians. Right. And I wanted to get your reaction to this. I have a few things to say. Yeah. You know, I don't, um, after reading the article in The Athletic, where they explain kind of the process of picking this, it, it makes sense, even though I do think it's kind of obscure choice by, by Cleveland, but apparently there was something else at play. There are certain names they couldn't take or that they were unwilling to, to pay to take. Uh, and that is, you know, that just, it's, it, just, it, just, it just seems miserly on the part of Cleveland in the process because they had apparently like 12,000 suggestions or something like that. Um, so they had plenty of the, everything that you and I can think of they thought of and decided on this name. It's just, it's, I get it. I get why you picked the guardians and there's that guardians bridge in Cleveland and everyone that lives there knows about that. Um, But 
I don't, I don't know. There's just something about that name. It's just, it's not killing me. I, I'm, not trying killing to play, me but... I'm trying to play Don Draper. I'm hearing this and going, you know, is that, that's the best suggestion you have, you know? Right. And that's kind of was my initial reaction. But then, you know, then you learn about the local connection and the, yeah. and the guardians on the bridge. And also what I like about it is it has the same number of syllables. I know. I... As the Indians. Yeah. And, the guardians. And, 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 and I think it also kind of opens it up for the guardies. You know, maybe yeah. they should go out and hire Ron Garden hire. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think they want that to start <laughs> off. But, you know, they, we know that they had to do it. It just goes without saying. We're, we know the um, some of these teams, the Washington Redskins in football, had to cha- obviously change their name. Um, so that that's – I don't have a problem with it. If I lived in Cleveland, I probably would have a major problem with it. But but I don't live in Cleveland. <laughs> well, what, what kind of irks me is that they, they announced the change in the middle of the year. Right. And it right. just doesn't seem like – I don't know, they should have – had a big blow yep. up send off right. to start the year off in December or January when it's a slow news day for baseball. You're absolutely right. right. That's yeah. when they should have done it. And that's where I think they should fire their PR people. But, yes. but that's yeah. another, you know, but uh, now, now in Oakland, um, there's some ongoing negotiations. This is with, a, uh, this is a cluster. Uh, this is a hot mess cluster. in Oakland. That article you sent on this from ESPN, it was like eating straw. It was so boring because there's nothing more boring than a city and a baseball team negotiating over where and how much they're going to put in to build a stadium. I mean, it really just kills all the joy that you have, you know, going for you that day. (laughs) Well, but what I learned from that uh, article was the fact that both sides – Um, which has had plenty of time to resolve this issue. This is not something, this is not a a 12th hour deal where they've had literally years, if not decades, to deal with the fact that about this new stadium or the the idea that the A's wanted a new stadium to stay in Oakland. But what I learned was that both sides absolutely blamed the other side for why they're, they're at this impasse right now. Right. And it's like, you know what, at this point, um, I agree with the commissioner and I agree with the Oakland A's. If you, if, if you don't appreciate what the athletics, um, and also, did you see the, the video model of the new stadium of what it would be like if the voters voted for it? It's, it's breathtaking, right? It's going to be another San Francisco type of uh, stadium, but I wouldn't be surprised if you're calling them the Las Vegas athletics at some Absolutely. point. Right. That's what I, I think. I, I, I don't think you're right. I, I just think I, I just don't think Oakland's going to be able to come up with a scenario or a plan that's that Oakland's going to want to do. You know, they, they're talking about like how how they want to build this sort of ballpark plaza downtown. And it would be exciting, but it's going to include all of this public housing and things like that. And while I think it's admirable that the city wants these things, I just can't see the A's paying for this. I don't see this happening, you know, and you're right. I think I see them in, in some place like Las Vegas or Sacramento or, or I don't know, or Portland. You know so, I mean? Somebody's going to be willing to, 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 to give them what they want. That, that, that's what I think. Yeah. And it's not like, you know, I, I argue with my brother-in-law about this who lives actually near Oakland and he's a big A's fan. And, and I kind of pissed him off. I should have said this, but. But I said, you know, maybe that the initial move to Oakland was a mistake and, and that Oakland really isn't a city that can support a major league franchise. And he got really mad at me. So I don't know. Well, but, but I, I, I'm telling you, I would as well, because um, but I also think historically Oakland has had sporadic uh, support for their team. There's been yeah. years when they have had nobody in that stadium. Um, yeah. and, and they but, were good and they were good. Correct. Right? Correct. So you're, you're right. But I also, I would take it personally too. Um, they're, but they're also the only major league team that has moved twice. Right. Right. They, right. You know, that's true. That's true. They were in Kansas city. And so they're kind of like the nomads of the major league. So, <laughs> so speaking of athletics, the athletic Ken Rosenthal Uh, wrote a great article mapping out potential trades that could occur coming up in the next week. Um, And in the last half week or so, 
it's not been so much about Chris Bryant as it's been about guys like Joey Gallo, yeah. who is a, a gold glove winning outfielder who is either hit or miss as far as um, his power. He's a big home run hitter, but the average not so good, um, but a tremendous outfielder. Um, where, where, you know, I know he's not going to the White Sox, but he would really help the White Sox. He would help right. the White Sox big time, but th there's no way. There, I, there's no way. I know. I know. But I kept thinking a, a, a defensive upgrade to that outfield is exactly what that team needs. Mm -hmm. Big time. But, but you know, I, I think that, that he Gallo, I think, wants to sign an extension. Yes, he does. And he wants to stay in Texas, which, you know, I, I think that's admirable. And I, I hope they're able to sign him. That's what they all say. That's what they all say, exactly. <laughs> but if you look around, I mean, and you think about what teams really need, the one thing they need isn't really available, and that's starting pitching. Correct. You know, uh, it doesn't look like Max Scherzer is going to be traded because, you know, his, his agent, Scott Boris, has demanded that if he is traded, he must sign an extension. And that I don't think any team is going to. I don't think any, te any team in Major League Baseball, including his own team, would yeah. do that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, I mean, so there's that. And, you know, there's uh, – there's that one pitcher from um, – there's a pitcher from uh, – what is it? Uh, Kyle Gibson. Yeah, Kyle, Kyle Gibson on Texas. And he's so good that I think the, the Rangers would be nuts to trade him, even if they could get a Hall of Prospects. I mean, he gives you a chance to be good next year, especially if you sign Gallo. You know, I, I, I wouldn't trade him if I were them. It's complicated. I like Kyle. He's, he's, he rides the pine on my very successful fantasy baseball team. But he's older. That's the one thing about people. Don't, people don't realize, you know, he's, he'll be in his mid-30s by the time any contract that he signs. Um, so I'm not so sure about him. I think you're right. I think it was Scherzer, but I don't think Scherzer's going anywhere. Um, you know, but maybe Kimbrough might be the next pitcher that – you, you got to think that, that, you know, the Cubs could get a really nice return for that guy. And that's what I think that they should do. Right? He's got one year left on his contract. It's relatively cheap, 16 million for his value. He's one of the baseball's top relievers. Yeah. Um, so well, I know well, the, the Phillies, the Phillies are interested in him, but I'm thinking, you know, the Phillies aren't much different from the Cubs. I don't, why would the Cubs send him, the, you know, let him go there? I don't get that, but the, the Phillies have sent scouts to watch the last couple of uh, Cubs games. I do know that. Well, we're going to talk more about Kimbrel's value. Yeah. In, in, and when we get to the Cubs yeah. section later on in the show, but, but, but I will say that he is probably the Cubs most valuable trading yeah. trading piece. Yeah. I'm just but, saying going through this list, the other one is Trevor story, the shortstop uh, for Colorado. There's some talk that, um, well, he'd be an upgrade on virtually uh, the Yankees, uh, the White Sox, the White Sox particularly have interest in him. Um, and I'm trying to think of who's some of the other ones before we move on. Jose Ramirez would be. Oh, no, no, no. That's the new one. I'm sorry. I, Jose Ramirez in the last three or four days, there's been heated up talk that Cleveland, if the package would write, was right, that, that they would unload him. What the attraction of Ramirez is, he's cheap as hell. And he's, he's cheap as hell and he's a hell of a hitter. He's, he's an he's, elite hitter. He's in the top five. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah, I would love, I would love to see I mean, if I had any, you know, any team that I would be a fan of, I would love to have Jose Ramirez, you know, and, uh, but, you know, we'll see what happens. It, 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 it'll be really fun to kind of watch this play out because the things that teams need aren't really the players that are available. So, so like, if you think about players like Javi Baez and Trevor Story, you know, shortstops aren't really, what teams want right now you know right. they want relievers and they want starting pitchers so right so the washington nationals game i think it was last saturday night and last saturday against the padres um had to be suspended because of what because of a shooting outside of the ballpark and you know they could hear the shots inside the stadium people were taking cover People were taking cover, you know, what's his name? Fernando Tatis Jr. ran off the field. Right. You know, the players ran into the clubhouse. The fans were cowering in the dugout. And suffice to say, this is not something that we've seen very often at Major League Baseball games. But thank God this took place 
uh, in Washington. Because if this was in T Dallas, there might have been 500 people pulling their guns out in the stadium. Yeah, right. and it could, you could have had a different result. So this is pretty scary stuff. It's something I've always thought about in my mind, why someone hasn't brought a gun into a stadium and done something stupid with it. It really hasn't happened. But I'm kind of surprised that it hasn't happened. And this is this is way too close to home when, you know, the, the, the shots are being fired literally outside the stadium. I mean, what my God, what is what is going on in this country? Yeah, this country is, I mean, with its gun violence and, and especially here in Chicago. And I mean, let's be honest, you know, uh, there was a great article in the Sun-Times today by Mary Mitchell. I'll maybe pass that along to you. But she's just like, you know, she's black. She lives in a black neighborhood. She's a columnist. And and and. She talks about how street justice is no justice at all and how conflicts are are, are are being settled with guns in these neighborhoods. And it's getting so bad that she can't, like she has a, a nephew who's in his you know early 20s. She cannot allow him to come visit her right. because she does not want him to be shot. Yeah, right, and, exactly. It's, it's just, it's this whole thing is maddening and it's gotta get better. I'm taking a class at Second City an hour after I get out of class, five people are shot at one of those uh, party buses. Yeah, a block right, away right, from Second right, City. That was right, bananas. Right. Yeah, yeah, I, I saw that. I, I, I realized that that was right next to Second City, too. But uh, there's no area in Chicago that's impervious to, to no. this. I don't, it doesn't matter. It, it, and, and again, it's, it seems to be, it's, it's something that civilization needs to come to grips with. I think it will happen outside of our lifetime, unfortunately. Yeah, yeah. It um, won't ever be resolved anytime soon, I'll tell you that. That's, that's right. So on to something that was a little more humorous. Um, the most embarrassing play this season, since Javi Baez ran wild on the Pittsburgh Pirates, um, Taijuan Walker, basically comes over to field like he, he throws a pitch. I don't know who the hitter was. These pirates are all a mystery to me. I don't know. <laughs> right. But, but he kind of yanks what looks like initially a foul ball down the left field line. The ball travels about a foot bounces and bounces and rolls and spins and touches the third baseline at kind of the precise moment that Taijuan Walker tries to knock it or keep it foul. Yeah. And as a result, I mean, the bases are loaded when this happens. He tries to bat the ball out of play, but the umpire is very, very clear who's watching it the whole way. It's a yeah. fair ball. It's a fair ball. He points to it being fair. Taijuan Walker stops to argue about it and three runs score. Right. That was crazy. That, that was crazy. Bad, don't you think? I mean, I, I, I do, but – I watched that video 20 times to try to get to, to, because it looks to me and I'll bet you in real time. And it's the way I would have reacted like that was a foul ball. And that was the confusion on the part of, um, of uh, what's his name? The, uh, the, the pitcher Walker. The pitcher. Yeah. 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 Taiwan Walker. He, he basically thought that the ball was foul and I thought it was foul too. Um, and so did Rojas, the manager, uh, yeah. thought it was foul as well. Who, who who was suspended for two for two games over this because of he he excessively argued. Right. But the thing is, Tom, I can see how one would think that. And if I were Walker, I might have thought that. Yeah. But the rule is very very clear. Right. No, I know. The ball I know. is hit foul, and it comes in right. to fair. If it touches the line, yeah. it's a fair ball. And, and not, just, exactly not just that, even more importantly, it's not a reviewable play. That's right. It's, it's not, not reviewable. It should be because these things kind of like in tennis, when you're talking about lines like that, you should yeah. be able to blow it up to find out exactly if it's true or not. I mean, ultimately, but baseball is slow enough. And, and so you, you make the case it's the most embarrassing play. I still think the Baez one is only because, dude, he's going back from first to home plate. Yeah, I mean, right. He's right, making right. you guys look like idiots. Yeah, you know, he did. Yeah, <laughs> that was a bad play. It was, it was, it was nice, I guess, to see the Pirates get a little bit of a sort of redemption. They, right. Yeah, a little redemption <laughs> after Baez made it look so bad. But uh, that's true. They they were on this both sides of they were they embarrassed and they were embarrassed. Well, it, 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 it harkened everybody back to the David Cohn play, you know, in 1990, <laughs> where, where he argued a play 
at first base and two runs scored as yeah, Oh yeah, yeah. I remember that. Oh yeah. That's, the ball that's was still true. in play. So it kind of reminded me and it, it, it's also, I think fitting that the Mets were involved in both of them. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, that is true. So, so I thought that was, and I feel bad for Rojas, but you know, what do you do? You know, I mean, even if they had a replay, it doesn't change a thing. The yeah, ball was yeah. fair. You, you know yeah. who I don't feel bad for? That's Tom Brennerman. Oh, yeah, he's trying to resurrect his career, and he's doing it. I mean, you were talking about this is a man who announced football games for Fox. He he was the the he was the basically the in-house Reds broadcaster for a long time. Right, uh, kind of succeeding his father, who did radio for right. Uh, but the son of the great Marty of the Brennerman. Great Marty Brennerman, yeah. Right. But but Tom, you know, made a big mistake where he made some homophobic slurs, right. you know, on on the air live. And did. it basically ended his career with the Reds. He, he didn't so, think it was live. Uh, yeah, he didn't think it was live. He didn't know it was live. And he embarrassed himself. He embarrassed the Reds. He embarrassed his father. And uh, he basically lost his job as a result. And, you know, he's trying to kind of build it back up again. And he's beginning really at the at the lowest level you can begin. He's yeah. he's, he's it's, announcing. It's, it's T-ball? Is it T-ball? Yeah. <laughs> It He's should be T-ball, and based on his past, it should be T-ball in San Francisco. Yeah, it should be. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> but you know, um, but he's doing high school games. Yeah, you know, and I, I, I can't see that he's getting any money. But, <laughs> right, you know, no, right. But at least he's doing what he says he loves to do, and maybe eventually someone will see it. You know, maybe the Reds will. You know. You know, you know who's and, you know who's and, most happy about this? That's Tom Brennerman's wife, because finally Tom's out of the house. Yes, he is out of the house. Yeah. <laughs> you know who is it? You know Marty had had come out with something recently. There was a bad like Stephen A. Smith had said something about how you know the Angels and Major League Baseball can't they can't um, promote Shohei Otani because he doesn't speak English. And he had to come on the air and kind of apologize about that. Yeah, exactly. And, and then Marty Brennerman tweeted by saying, I wish ESP, I wish the Reds and Major League Baseball were as forgiving right. as ESPN. I, you know, I don't know if we can really compare the two situations. No, no. You know, like, They're both both bad, though. That's <laughs> both of them are bad situations. They are bad. Yeah. So I mean, I don't know. I good luck to Tom Brennerman. I don't dislike him. I think what he said was idiotic come on what, what, what's that well actually what we said was also was how um uh comfortable he was talking like that during yeah. the break which means that's not the first time he made a casual completely offensive comment before and furthermore it seems like the other side that was listening to it is somewhat complicit in, in, in my mind about this to a certain degree. I just think it's what's happening is it's exactly what we said. He's going to have to start all over again. I just thought he would be more of a, of a advocate. And this is a perfect opportunity for him to work with, with the, uh, the, the gay community in, in the United States. Yeah. And, 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 and to his credit, he is doing that. He's trying to raise money for for. That's for, what he needs to do. That yeah. that will resurrect his career much more than you know, uh, than anything else. But uh, anyways, what's going on in uh, Manesson, Pennsylvania? Well, Manesson, Pennsylvania was a place where you know the Homestead Grays, mm. uh, a Negro League baseball team right. just outside of Pittsburgh, would play their home games. And Josh Gibson, many many years ago, I think it was like in the 1930s, hit just a mammoth home run. 548 foot home run and they've right. it's verified the distance by based on people i think it's there. is it 548 or 538 538 five, well i don't know we'll yeah call, we'll call the website and see but but 538 feet regardless yeah. i mean it's a prodigious home run and maybe one of the longest home runs ever hit and they've gone ahead and they've commemorated it as a historical site so i thought that, that was kind of cool they brought in the uh the family or the descendants of Josh Gibson, and uh, they, they're sort of honoring this great Negro League player. Right. So I thought that was really uh, kind of exciting and kind of a nice thing. You know, it, Gibson, it, if, if you, I mean, you know, there's so many Negro Leaguers who could have and should have played in the major leagues who would have had a massive footprint. And Gibson certainly, I think, is the hitter 
that would have that would have done the most damage to the majors. There's no, there's no doubt about it. He probably would have, because their their career is somewhat paralleled. He probably would have would have challenged Ruth all along yep. the way as Ruth yep. was getting close to setting. Um, now, I mean, you know, again, but but you know, he's Gibson is really a tragic figure. Oh, no doubt. Health issues, brain brain tumors. I think he had and yep, yep. You know, he, di- he died way too young, and yeah. and he never lived long enough to receive the love that he so, uh, you know, that yeah. he deserves. And, and he's truly, you know, he's truly one of the greatest baseball players ever. I, I don't think of him in terms of the Negro Leagues, even though I know he played there. But in my mind, he yeah. was, you know, right up there at the top. If you think about it, he was a catcher. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. know, that's when I think about Johnny Bench and I think, you know, and, and this guy hit 200, you know, two or 300 more home runs at Bench. That, that's something. That is something. And, you know, I, I mean, you, you, he's, he's a contemporary of Satchel Page. Yep. yep. But Page is, is so much more. I mean, you know, it, it's sad. Page had a better PR guy with who was himself. Yeah, himself. Exactly. <laughs> well, Page really understood yes. how to respond to the fans. He knew about sound bites before there was sound bites. Yeah. I, no, I, he was, he was, I mean, and, and, and Page is so much more popular and so much more loved yep, and admired. Yep. You know, and they were good friends, but, you know, it, it, it's just kind of sad. To see. And the ironic thing is, is to a certain degree, we don't know Satchel Page's full career of what, he, you know, a lot of people allege because of the barnstorming and what have you, that he had a lot more wins in that arm that he's been given credit for. Well, there's no doubt about what Josh Gibson did. Yeah. There's no, no ambiguity on, on his statistics at all in regards to those 700 home runs that he hit. You yeah. know, I mean, well, that's, he's, he's amazing. And, uh, you know, I think that this is good what Manison is doing. So, so very, so, so thumbs up to them. Yeah. So, um, all right. Now you cited an article from Deadspin about uh, <laughs> St. Louis being the baseball capital of the world. And I got to tell you about this. this I, I really hated this article because it was like this guy from New York woke up one day and decided, Oh, wow. They really like baseball in St. Louis. <laughs> no, but they, but they, but they really do do that. That's they just do. it. Of course I, they do, but I've known this for decades. I know, but, but maybe our listener doesn't know that. And, and, and I, and I think that we have somebody that's been staying in our house. That's from St. Louis for over the last couple of days. And I actually asked her about this and she did confirm that it, it, she goes, what she said was the St. Louis Blues, which gets a lot of love today, it's only because they won the cup. If they didn't win right. the cup, it still would just be the, the St. Louis Cardinals. They, they've kicked out two NFL teams. Who yeah. does that? Who, yeah. who does that? And, and so it is significant. They have 10 statues of players outside of their stadium. They are the National League's best team, and they're the next best team to the Yankees in Major League Baseball history. Yeah. So yeah. most successful. The, the yeah. Cardinals cast a shadow over everything else in the city of St. Louis. And, it, and I, well, I so, like to tease. I like to tease my friends in St. Louis because not only have they lost the the Rams, they lost the Cardinals right. football team, but they also lost an NBA team, and they lost um, they lost uh, another major league baseball team, the St. Louis Browns, who went on to become the the, the Baltimore Orioles. So, I mean, St. Louis, in addition to being, you know, the Cardinals sort of being the most popular team there, they're also a city that's renowned for driving major league, franchi- major league franchises from different sports away, you know? Yeah, no doubt about it. Um, before I forget, I wanted to just talk about my hometown Detroit Tigers, mm. who, who over the last 30, 20, or 10 days are amongst the league leaders in wins. The Tigers have turned the tide. They are now a middle-of-the-road baseball team. They were always spoke of by you and I over the last couple of years as one of the bottom teams in baseball. That is no longer the case. And because of the pitching that they have, the young pitching that they have coming up, they're all on inning restrictions right now. But once these thoroughbreds are let to run free, I'm telling you the Tigers are going to start to to move up uh, in the Central, and the Sox should be very worried about what's happening in Detroit. They're 47 and 53. 
Right. And they're 12 games out. I don't mm-hmm. think this year, I mean, oh, no, I no, no, 500 no. is a possibility. But, yes, uh, yes. And that would be their short-term goal. All I'm telling you is over the last, um, I think, 20 and 30 days, they're the best team in baseball. But over the last 10 days, they're like the fourth best team in baseball in, as far as uh, winning. And so when you start to see that in a last place team that has been refortified with all these draft picks and all this young talent, to me, it's always a sign that the next year or so you're going to see Detroit start to become a really good team. That's all I'm saying. I'll just throw that. Really funny. I'm looking through the standings. Everybody's like five and five, four and yeah. six, six and four. But the Tigers are seven and three. Right. You know? Right. So I just, just wanted to mention that before we move along, what's going on with the Cubs? Well, um, you know, <laughs> Chris Bryant sat out of the lineup earlier this week with a condition known as hamstring fatigue, which is the first time I've ever heard of such an injury. It's called dead legs. That's what dead they call legs. It. Well, you know, I don't know, but and I've uh, had them. Plus, believe me, it's a real thing. When 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 that came out, though, Tom, I was I was like, he's going to be traded in the next yes, twenty four yes. hours. Right, right. And that didn't happen. That didn't right. happen. But. Uh, but uh, there are some teams who would like to see Chris Bryant playing for them. I think most notably the New, the New York Mets. Yes. Before you say, I just want to say, at Wrigley yesterday, it was very Chris Bryant nostalgia. A lot yeah. of Chris Bryant jerseys. And I think the fans have kind of resigned themselves to the fact that he's going. And so it was a chance for us fans to kind of say thanks for the memories, Chris. Albeit as short that they were. You were yeah. the guy. You were the guy that caught the final out of the world series and forever you will be, you know, uh, in, in the- rookie of the year MVP. Correct. I mean, Correct. he's still a really good player who could play every defensive position on the diamond, except for maybe pitcher and catcher. And uh, you know, I mean, you could put him anywhere and you could have an above average player defensively at that position. Where is so he I- going? Where, where do you think he's going to go? I don't know. I don't know. And I don't, I certainly see, I, I see that he will be traded, but uh, it's just a question of what, what the Cubs can acquire in return. And I think the Mets are, are the most obvious choice because they really need help at third base and they need help offensively. And I think that that that's the one place I think I see them landing. You know. I think you're right. That's that's where I think that makes the most sense. And they've got a uh, owner with deep pockets who's inching up towards the uh, the luxury tax. By the way, and I don't think he gives a, sh- a damn about no. that at all. Which I would love to be a Mets fan in the next ten years. I think you're yeah. going to see the Mets really do very well. But well, uh, they'll they'll spend a lot of money, and, and it'll be fun. It'll be exciting. You know. I, but, I, I think in the future you're going to see the Chris Bryant jersey being worn more and more, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Well, there you go. So um, now the Cubs had an interesting win this week, and apart from the fact that they've been kicked around by the Cardinals and even the Diamondbacks. They did score six, run in the, six runs in the ninth inning to stun the Cardinals 7-6 yeah. at Bush Stadium. And this was a nice win, but, but again, I mean, a nice win doesn't do you a whole lot of good, you know, at this right. point. You, you know, it was, I was stunned the next day when I opened up my uh, online newspapers to look at box scores, like, what, what is that? I, and I actually had to go to the game view to see how they did it. Cause I'm like, Hey, who hit a three run Homer? That wasn't the case. Basically the whole lineup just contributed and, and it was a little dinks and doinks here and there. And, uh, and a lot of walks, a lot, a of, lot walks, of walks, some misplayed balls, but, and, and then timely hits. Uh, so, uh, but you're right. It's, it's, this season is is they might as well just I don't know I, it, it makes me think like well, can't they just forfeit the rest of their games and start I know, I know, <laughs> I know. but 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 they've already sold the tickets and you know what I mean and and that's just right I'm, I'm, I'm just joking about that but I you know I, it, I it's tough to be a Cubs fan it is tough to be a Cubs fan but on on the plus side of the ledger you know we've seen seasons like this we've seen the Cubs have seasons like this. For years and years and years. This is nothing new for you and I. Right. You know, right. and for Cubs fans in general. And <clears throat> because they've won the World Series, you know what I mean? There's not that tension and sort of angst that that comes with being a bad team. Like when you're constantly thinking, I may not live to see them win it all. Well, <laughs> I live to see them win it all. And, right, right. and you know, next year they're a blank slate. 
So who knows what can happen? They have deep pockets. They could be back on top of the division next year very easily. Well, we know in baseball that you could be worse last year and first the next year. And, and also, the Nationals were 19 and 31 one season and won the World Series. That's so right. That's right. anything so, can happen, you know, in, in baseball. It's just a crazy game. But uh, the, the Cubs got some reinforcements back this week. Couple, they did. Mike Duffy and Nico Horner have returned to the big club. That's at about 15 or 20 games too late. Yeah, but uh, you know they really they could they, use they, D, they DFA'd Eric Sogard too. Yes, I saw that. The Eric Sogard era yeah. has come to an end. And don't don't think that the fact that he didn't get the vaccine played a part in his DFA. <laughs> well, I'd like to think. I'd like to think that. By the way, did you see that the NFL is going to start? finding players over That's this right. and, and hopefully baseball adopts that too. Sorry, uh, Rizzo, but uh, you're, you're insane in your thinking. Well, the mm-hmm. NFL, the NFL is interesting because they're, they're not going to allow players to, to earn money from outside endorsements if they don't get the vaccine. Correct. I mean, right. The NFL it, is playing hardball. Right. As well as they are. should. Um, and, and major league baseball needs to do that too. So, so you posed the question, which Cubs trading chip should garner the biggest return in prospects? Well, I, I think the answer is pretty obvious, and that, that's, that's Craig Kimball. I was going to say yes. Yeah. Because, you know, if you look at the Dodgers, if you look at the Padres, the Mets, any team that's in first place, the Astros, any team that's, that's around the top of the division or that has prospects for the playoffs, <laughs> except for the Chicago White Sox is going to be interested in acquiring Kimbrel. And if I'm the Cubs, I'm freaking, I'm pulling a New York Yankees, you know, like the New York Yankees did when they held up the Cubs over a role as Chapman. You know, if I'm, if I'm, uh, you know, Jed Hoyer, I'm asking for the sun and the moon. And I hope he freaking gets it because this is, this is the kind of trade that could really help build, rebuild a franchise with talent. The only other player I could think of that could get a great return like that would be Baez, but I don't think that that's going to happen. But I think that that potentially you could get a, a slew of young talent. I wouldn't trade him, but um, I wouldn't trade Baez. And I also think the 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 market for shortstops isn't as good as it is for for a shutdown reliever like yeah. Kimball, you know. And I mean, uh, and who knows? I mean, he he, you know. And again, I suggested this. He could be resigned. The Cubs could resign him, yeah. you know, just like the Yankees re-signed uh, a Chapman. I think that, that is true. That that is true. That's the same with Bryant too, theoretically, because he is available again in two yeah. months yeah. <laughs> after the or when the season's done. So I could absolutely see that happening. You know, I hope. I, it I happens, hope they keep I think Rizzo. I think they need Rizzo. I also think that if they do away with with uh, defensive shifting in baseball, Rizzo's value increases. So. Yeah. So, uh, and also there's a lot of chatter about Rizzo and the Red Sox, just so you know, there, and I don't know what that, I, I think maybe he likes the Red Sox for some reason, but hopefully it doesn't happen. You know, you point out that next year, the Cubs are going to be a blank slate. Yeah. That yeah. only three players on the current roster are on the 22 person payroll. Yeah. Um, for I mean, apart year. from players that they have total control. Right, over. right, right, right. But still but, that's but kind of like, yeah. That's, that's that's scary, but part of me thinks maybe that's not a bad thing. That that gives them that gives them some flexibility because again, as I was in yesterday in Ricketsville, or uh, Wrigleyville, they have to play well to keep up this whole pop-up town that they've created over there. That's what I exactly think. exactly. But I think you know, like the Cubs are unusual in that if the Cubs aren't good and Cubs fans stay away. Then Phillies fans will buy tickets, and Cardinals fans yeah. will buy tickets, and you know. Well, that's the last thing. That's the last thing we want is Wrigley filled with uh, Philadelphia fans. Well, I've seen it happen. Believe me. I mean, there were there were years before the Cubs got good, you know, where I was just sitting in the middle. I went to a Phillies game, and I was sitting in the middle of thirty-five Phillies fans. Yeah. You know? How, how many? That. How many deaths were there? <laughs> Uh, but anywho, uh, so we're learning more about the Ben Zobris divorce. Oh, this is lurid. Uh, right. He and Juliana, uh, you know, well, basically it begins where he, you know, Juliana apparently had an affair with their preacher, Yeah, you know, with their, their pastor, their pastor. pastor, yeah, their yeah. pastor. 
And uh, he was kind of helping them with some marital issues, advising them. <laughs> Apparently them. so. Apparently so. And then He's he got a hands-on approach <laughs> to, to his, his ministry. <laughs> and as a result of this, Zobris took basically the second half of the 2018 season or the 2019 season off. Yeah, you know, and he missed out on about four to six million dollars in 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 income, yeah. and as part of the the divorce, I don't know lawsuit. Right, uh, Juliana is saying that he should have played that year and earned that money, and I should get half of that money because he didn't play, even though he didn't play. This Which is, after- I think, I mean, I've never gone through a divorce. You have. But, but no. this is after that. I'll, I'll just call it without, you know, trying to say anything bad about her. That's what this psycho bitch has been saying all along uh, yeah. in, in regard. First of all, she encouraged him to take the time off. And now she's suing him for the money that he didn't make We're during the time that she urged him to take. This is insane. And also, I'm not going to slander anybody, but there's been rumors about her and other famous people in Chicago as far as affairs. It wasn't just the pastor. That's my understanding. So this is just sorted. And and I feel bad for Ben Zobrist. It's basically you've been cuckolded in front of America is is the way my take on the whole story. I I feel bad for you. There's certainly no way to go out in your Cubs days. So um, what's what's going on with the White Sox? Well, the White Sox, you know, they're kind of – languishing in sort of a three-game losing streak. They lost two to the Brewers. Right. Made them look really bad. But but the big story... No, before, you, before you say that, though, you brought up a very interesting point last week is they can't beat the good teams, the White Sox. No. And this they is- can't beat... Yeah, they can't beat the good teams. They really can't beat anybody outside of four teams. Right. And that's right. a problem. I mean, they're going to cruise to their division title. And I think their pitching gives them a puncher's chance in the playoffs. Right. But this does not, you know, unless Jimenez and Roberto come back and really kick ass, I don't know that this team is really going to last very long in the playoffs. I don't either. But but the big dramatic story was that Yermin Mercedes, who is in Charlotte, he's been demoted to Charlotte because he wasn't hitting. He announced via, was it Instagram? Yeah, I think it was Twitter. Instagram. No, that, I think it was Instagram. It was Instagram that he was retiring, that he was uh, not going to come back to baseball. And that kind of caught the White Sox flat-footed. You know, Tony LaRusse had to come out and say, oh, well, I've been a big supporter of his. And there was a reason why he got all these at-bats, so I'm going to reach out to him and talk to him. And, and hopefully LaRusse was able to do some good because two days later, Mercedes announces that he's not, in fact, going to retire, that he's going to be back playing, and, and that the White Sox seem to have plans for him to, to, to rejoin the roster at some point. But man, this is a guy who uh, I feel really bad for him because I, I feel bad. It goes back to when he swung at that three and O pitch when they were up by like 15 runs and LaRusse had to kind of publicly admonish him. Right. And I just think, you know, he didn't go into his slump at that point. He was already in a slump when that was happening, but I don't know. I, I mean, it, I, I've seen this happen time and time and again in baseball where somebody has come in as a shooting star and then fizzled completely out. Um, Hopefully that's not the case here, but um, I hate to say we told you so, but back when he rose to those heights in April, both of us said, you know, we potentially, when he reverts to the mean, it may not be pretty and it's not pretty. I mean, I, I, you know, no, it's not pretty. It's not pretty. And I was a, big big i'm a i still am a big your mean mercedes supporter mm-hmm. and you know and again we're talking about a guy who spent 10 11 years in the minor leagues right you know at the, the prospect at go, of going back after right. you've had right. a taste of big league success must have been devastating and realizing that you may never get back to the show that that's that's the part that um a lot of athletes struggle with um it's not just in baseball, but the Sox have some reinforcements coming back. So. They do. They, 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 I mean, no team was hit by injuries more than the Chicago White Sox. And the fact that, you know, they've been able to succeed without some of their best players. I mean, they lost Yasmani Grandal. They lost Rover. They lost Jimenez. I mean, it goes on and on and on. I mean, there's not enough time in the show for me to list. 
right. all the injuries. Even Tim Anderson was down for a while. Is right. he? Oh my God! I mean, it's it's just too much. But 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 it looks like Eloy will be back. It right, looks like right. Robert will be back as he's beginning. Well, to Eloy side. will be back in a matter of days. Yeah, he should, yeah, he'll be back next week. I thought he would be back this weekend. Yeah. But uh, he made, did you see that crazy catch he made in the yes, minors? Yes, yes, I it did. Was an, I mean, it looked terrible. It, it, it looked terrible, but that's one of his highlight reels. Yeah, that's like <laughs> that's the greatest his... catch he's ever made. And it was awful. It was really, right. was one of the luckiest catches I've ever seen. And he lies on his back, like, oh, my God, I can't believe he caught that. And then from his back, right. he makes the throw back to the infield. I thought that was hilarious. You know, but, uh, but. If you were Rick Hahn, right, what would you do to make this team better if you wanted to make a run in the playoffs? Well, if I could only let's better, you know, if I could only add one player, who would I add? I don't really think they need pitching. I think I would personally, I would go after Gallo. We know they're not going to do that. So no. the next guy that kind of makes sense would be maybe a Trevor Story that could move over to second base, um, and then yeah. that would that would make the White Sox. Um, and money respects having a above average uh, defensive infield all the way around. So, um, you know who I would trade for if I were the White Sox? I would, as soon as I would trade for Wilson Contreras, that's who I would go after. Because yeah, without Randall, they, they're so thin at catcher. I just think he, Contreras is an untouchable. That, that's just the old, because yeah, you're right. That does make sense. But I don't think that's happening, but it does make sense. Well, but it, what's also interesting is what we're seeing now on the south side is the same thing that we saw on the north side back in 2016, where, you know, the Cubs were good. They needed a shutdown closer. Right. But, you know, which one of these prospects were you going to be willing to part with? And that's kind of where the White Sox are, you know. Yeah, I think the 2016 team was better than this team. Yes, um, by far. This, to me, this is more um, the, the, the Sox are almost like the 2014 or 15 Cubs in the sense that they're ascending. They're they're a piece or two away. The, and like you said, does it happen this year or does it happen next year? It's just a matter of time at this point. I mean, and you could also, and this is a suggestion, I mean, they, they could also just stand pat, knowing that they're going to make the playoffs, understanding that they have – two things that would really be an advantage, great starting pitching and a great closer, mm-hmm. you know, let's just roll the dice and see how far we get with what we have. And then next year when, you know, when, when a lot of these guys are more healthy, we can really make a run and put together the team we want. So I don't know. It's, it's a, a lot to think about, <laughs> but, uh, but that, that, that concludes are a peanut section. Uh, there's shells again, piles of shells underneath our seats. They're doomed. What are you talking about? Downward social mobility. They're bourgeois. <laughs> Playing strip poker with an exhibitionist somehow takes the challenge away. And in love. I mean, for them, men are either dates, potential dates, or date substitutes. Look, I find that dehumanizing. They're all so very metropolitan. And we're going to go to popcorn. And we, uh, I selected the movie this week, one of my favorite films of all time. I love the small movie, you know, that does something that you've never seen before. And the name of this movie is called Metropolitan. It's by a director uh, by the name of Whit Stillman. And basically it's about a group of New York socialites. These are people who attend elite private boarding schools all through uh, New England and upstate New York. And they, they participate in a series of debutante balls in the winter Christmas season in New York City. And they, they, they're getting together for their parties. And one of the women, uh, Audrey Roger, takes a liking to this guy who she knew from one of the boarding schools. He had actually, Tom Townsend had a crush on a friend of, of Audrey's and Audrey wanted Tom maybe to come along to their sort of parties as a guest, as, as sort of her date. And uh, it, it's just a really interesting movie because what you have are these well-educated erudite young people who are talking about all sorts of just interesting things as they go to, as they dress in tuxedos 
and go to these uh, balls all over New York City. I was unaware of this culture and uh, I was fascinated by it. Did you like this movie? I did. I did like this this film, uh, kind of a tepid like, and I'll, and I'll explain why. Um, I, uh, I'm a big fan of F. Scott Fitzgerald. Yes. And, and, and so yeah. I, I've read all of his major works. And of course, The Great Gatsby, which is one of the great American novels, if not the greatest American novel, um, it, it, the, the people that exist in that story are the same kids that exist in this film. And the fact mm -hmm. that they're, uh, like Ebert says, I knew that that world existed, but I, it was completely foreign to me, which is they... They go to, they're, they're, they're the children of the well-off that go to the best schools, think they're intellectual, but they're not. And well, I think that Wit does a great job with the script as far as making them look pretentious as they are. Um, but yet, I thought the script in, in, in many regards was, was witty. I laughed out loud a couple of times, but it wasn't F. Scott Fitzgerald. If, if there was no F. Scott Fitzgerald, I would think higher of this work this work but that being said i thought ultimately it was pretty well done and i give it three stars now i saw it with two females they both gave it one star really yeah and and the comments were like i cannot connect with these characters these these uh, these people just don't speak to me in any way shape or form it's almost, one said it's almost like they're martians compared to uh right, and, right, and so right. uh but so I see, I see that part, but I give it three stars. I thought that this was, what this film reminded me of in a weird way was that great Barry Levinson film called Diner, which was set in Baltimore, where, um, you know, it's a group of friends, but at a different cast or class level that these kids are at. These are all, you know, these are all blue-blooded people, kid, or right. the offspring all... of blue blood, and they act that way, that everything is, their world, the world is their oyster, basically. Well, the, the strength of this movie is the Whit Stillman screenplay, obviously, because what's, what's, what's nominated for an Oscar and, and, and it's very witty. You never, ever, ever hear actors speak in this kind of a dialogue, right. you know, and uh, and it's just a lot of fun to see these guys, you know, to hear these words sort of being spoken. It's just very, very clever. And then the other thing I think that's remarkable about this movie is that this is the first movie for a lot of these guys. Yeah, this is right. the first and only. And, and the last movie for a yeah. lot of these guys. And, yeah. and, and there's a reason for that, because I thought that um, under closer scrutiny, that the script was way better than the actors. Like the actors were just okay. There was times when it looked to me, I, I can't, the, the female, that was interested in Tom Townsend. I can't, whatever. Yeah, her, um, yeah. she, she, who, who was basically cast, she was working the makeup counter at Macy's. Yeah, she probably might want to go back there because I just, I thought that some of the acting was amateurish, but I thought that script was was really good. Well, Chris Eigerman steals the movie. Yes, you know, as, yes. as the Nick Smith, who is sort of the leader of the Sally Fowler Brat Pack. Yeah, right. You know what I mean, of this group of kids who, who hangs out at an apartment smoking cigarettes and playing bridge, <laughs> you know, and playing truth or dare. And, and he's the one who has all the really, really good lines. And, you know, these really, really wealthy kids, they sort of open up their, their, their club to this guy, Tom Townsend, who, who is not very wealthy. He comes from kind of not a middle-class family, yeah. but uh, his father, as part of the divorce settlement, sends him to boarding school. So that's kind of how he knows these people. And they bring him in and they kind of make him yeah. their project. But, exactly. but Townsend is very smart and he engages in a lot of great discussions. And, right. and that's really what this movie is sort of about, the discussions that these people have. I mean, the rest of it is sort of, you know, the events that happen, the, the, the notorious Rick Von Sloniker, who's the titled aristocracy and everybody yeah. hates him, but they also love him at the same time or admire him. That, that's kind of a fun little scenario. The, so, the, the, the yeah. British would call this like a parlor room film. Yeah. Um, and they, yeah. and they, they had a whole genre like that. It's a, or a talkie where that's, it's basically a lot of talking. There's not a lot of action in the film. I thought it was kind of comical that in many scenes, this small group of 
wherever they would gather in, in these fancy hotels, there was always one guy sleeping on the couch that was like knocked out uh, yeah. and, and would wake up periodically. Like one moment was when they were playing cha-cha-cha on, the, on a turntable. He got up and started dancing as if, you know, he, yeah. he'd been there the whole time. I just thought that character was kind of interesting. Yeah, he was. Fred, he was just sort of there. And finally, he, he was there because he was just drinking so much and drunk the whole time. And he finally just says, you know what, I've got to quit drinking. Exactly. And, and, and get on with my life, you know. And, and so, no, so if you haven't seen Metropolitan, um, where did you see it, by the way? How did you? I watched it on the big screen of my house. But I mean, did, what platform did you use? I have IPTV. I oh, have every yeah, film. I... I have every channel. Remember that. <laughs> so... No more questions I will answer. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. Well, uh, Metropolitan, see it if you if you haven't seen it, you should. I, I saw a Criterion beautiful copy of it, by the way. <laughs> oh, okay. All right. Well, it was also listed as one of the top 100 funniest films of all time. Yeah. So you know, there, there's there's a lot of great one-liners, a lot of things like like I read a review where you know there's a lot of lines that you're dying to use at your next cocktail party. So you know. Well. So but, uh, I, I'm ready for to pick a film for us for next week. And America is ready to hear what that film is, Tom. So after watching as many films as I have, um, I have opinions on who the greatest film actors are and the greatest film performances. And and I've I've stated those many times. Most people are in agreement. That's a general consensus. But okay. when it comes to the finest performance by a female in a film. It, it, in my mind, is Marianne Cotillard in La Vie and Rose, made in 2007. Oh, wow. I don't know if you've ever seen it, but it is the it is the finest acting by a female I've ever seen. That's our film for next week. All right. Well, I have seen it. I'm excited to see it again, actually. And uh, until next week, we are the two peas in the podcast. I'll bang the drum slowly and play the five lows. Play the dead march as they carry me along. Put bunches of roses all over my coffin. Roses to deaden the clouds as they fall. <laughs>